You are listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. So we have been in this series now for a long time, okay? Uh, So our overall subject has been staying on course, meaning we want to live out our entire life in faith toward God. We don't want to get pulled off course by any other thing. We don't want to end up with a shipwrecked faith. And for the last number of weeks, we've been going through a series of things that all of us face in life that have the potential to pull us off course. So right now, last week, we started to talk about how to navigate offense. And we're going to stay on that today. And, I, and I've really had to, sometimes, is just a little battle I have within myself. I feel like, man, we need, for one thing, I get really excited about verses that are up the way, but the way that I work, I can't help but build the foundation to those verses. So I can't jump there. And, uh, and that's not a bad thing. I just can't do it. And um, so there's, there's that. And then sometimes I just feel like, well, maybe, you know, I, I feel this need to push through. I'm not going to do that. And I don't. Uh, I just feel the need. <laughs> but I don't end up doing that. And that's why we're on uh, this overall topic for so long. But this particular topic of how to navigate a fence. And today we're going to spend more time again talking about what forgiveness is and how it works because forgiveness is the solution that Jesus gave us for staying out of offense, bitterness, resentment, building that type of atmosphere and attitude into our life. It is forgiveness is the key to freedom for us. All right, so we're going to talk again about what that is and how that works. And I'm not going to worry about how far we get in this. All right, so we are going to go back, as always, and uh, do a little bit of review from what we talked about last week, and then we'll get into some some new things here. But we talked last week about this whole idea of offense. And I heard back from so many of you this last week. uh, You know, I told you last week, I believe this is Satan's primary tool. Well, Deception is probably his primary tool, getting us to believe a lie. That's, that's how we all got into this mess in the first place, okay? Um, but as far as pulling us off track, I believe that getting us into a fence with somebody, especially with another believer, but really with anybody, just living a life, an offended life, is, is one of the primary, most successful tools that the enemy has against Christians. And I think one of the reasons it's so prevalent and one of the reasons it's so primary is because it's so successful. So we need to learn how to not be that person, okay? To not end up there. God has so much more for us. And we're not going to get there today, but I, I want to, I've got so much uh, that the Lord's been showing me about you know, we're talking now about what offense is, what forgiveness is, looking at what Jesus said about it, learning how to do that. But beyond that, there's this whole other level of, okay, I'm learning to get past offense, to not be an offended person. I'm learning how to do that. I'm learning how to forgive. I'm learning how to do that. But there's this whole other level of, okay, Here's who we are supposed to be. Here's what we are supposed to be distributing that we can't distribute if we are offended people, if we live in unforgiveness, okay? We're not even going to get there today. I think that's probably going to be next week. So 
But let's go back to this, you know, this term offense in our Bibles, especially in the New Testament, comes from this Greek word scandalon. I told you last week that that specifically speaks of the trigger mechanism on a trap. You know, and then the Bible takes it in and calls it offense. But the Greek word speaks of a trigger mechanism on a trap. And you've all seen those. Okay, And not all traps work the same way. I used the example of a mouse trap last week. or some. Most traps have some kind of bait in them. And that's part of the idea. It's really a twofold purpose. That This is speaking of the part offense is the part of the trap that holds bait. And what that means to us is, is that things like offense, resentment, um, you know, bitterness and the outgrowth of that, which is uh, accusation, slander, gossip, violence, those types of things that are the outgrowth of that. There is, there is a, a draw from those things to our flesh. Those things have a bait uh, characteristic to them. There's something about being offended because because you cannot stay offended unless you live in an atmosphere of self-protection, okay? And I'm not saying that we never need to protect ourselves, but I believe there are ways to do that without becoming offended. But offense only thrives in an atmosphere of self-preservation or self-protection. So immediately we see that our mindset goes to me, okay? If we become offended... My mindset goes to, to me, to what has hurt me, to what I can do, what, the, what that person deserves, all of that. You know, I can become resentful, I can be indignant, I can, you know, can manifest itself in different ways, but, but there's this inward focus of it. And there is this baiting that the flesh responds to. The Spirit of God in us doesn't respond to that, but the flesh does actually I wasn't going to go here, but let's jump over to, uh, if you have your Bibles there, and I hope you do, uh, let's turn over to Galatians chapter 5. And let's just look at a couple of verses here. Galatians chapter 5, uh, beginning in verse 16. Now you understand that in, this, in the scripture, the Bible talks about believers, our nature, once we give our life to Jesus, we do not have a, a we don't have two natures on the inside of us. This is one thing, I use the NIV a lot, but this is one place I think they did a poor job, uh, and I'm not going to read from the NIV right now, but, but they translate the Greek term sarx that is, should be translated flesh. It's that, it's that seat of, uh, of human passions and, and emotions and desires and appetites and things like that that has not yet been fully renewed. That's what the term flesh means. And there are several places in the scripture that tell us that that flesh, that unrenewed portion of us, is antagonistic to what the Spirit is doing in us. And this is one of the places. But I want you to understand as we, as we talk about this, yeah, we all have the, the, in fact, we have the choice to walk in the flesh or walk in the spirit. And, and by what we do and what we focus on, we make that choice every day. Okay, and it has two very different outcomes. But, but the point is, this is not, we do not, the, the, I started to say, the NIV translates that word flesh as sinful nature. Okay, and, and I just don't like that because you don't have a nature of sin. When you were born again, you became a new creature in Christ. Your actual nature now 
is redeemed and your nature is a nature of righteousness. When we sin, we're actually acting against our nature, okay? You are a new person in Christ, but we have this battle. I mean, we all know it. There's a battle that goes on inside of us. And when we talk about offense, we talk about, you know, I think gossip is such a great example because it is, you know, we it, it has this, this bait to it. It has this draw to it. Well, that's pulling on the flesh. Anyway, did you find Galatians 5? Verse 16 says, I'm going to read from the Amplified. It says, but I say, walk and live habitually in the Holy Spirit, responsive to and controlled and guided by the Spirit. Then you will certainly not gratify the cravings and desires of the flesh, human nature without God. Okay, so so it doesn't say the way to walk in the spirit is to constantly focus on the flesh and try to put the flesh down either. It says focus on the Holy Spirit, focus on follow him, habitually live. And that's a choice we have to make. The Holy Spirit is totally faithful to make his will and desire known to us, to empower us with his word and with his grace to live a Christian life, to live a Christ-like life. All right, he's doing that, whether we are listening and obeying or not. So we have this choice that, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live according to the Spirit. What are you saying to me, Holy Spirit? What are you highlighting to me today? And I am going to focus myself on that in doing that, in living that lifestyle. It says we will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And say they won't be there. It says we will not gratify them. Does that make sense to you? Okay, and then verse 17, it says, for the desires of the flesh are opposed to the Holy Spirit. And the desires of the Spirit are opposed to the flesh, godless human nature. For these are antagonistic to each other, continually withstanding and in conflict with each other, so that you're not free but are prevented from doing what you desire to do. But if you are guided, led by the Holy Spirit, you're not subject to the law. So in other words, we don't live under a legalistic system of just trying to force the flesh into submission. The solution to this whole issue is focus on the Lord, seek the Lord, seek what he has to say, live by, ingest, meditate on, uh, you know, dig into what he has to say. So it goes on and and you can read that. Actually, it talks about, um, it says that the doings or practices of the flesh are obvious immorality, impurity, indecency, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, okay, strife, jealousy, anger, ill temper, selfishness, divisions, dissensions, party spirit, that whole last part of that list falls within the category of living an offended life and not learning. It's giving place to anger. It's giving place to offense. It's giving, it will produce all of the last part of that list. We won't go there this morning just for time's sake, but over in Romans chapter 8, it says, that the mind of the flesh, okay, the mindset of the flesh is the enemy of God. Romans chapter 8, you can look it up for yourself, all right? So there's this bait to offense. It wants to pull us in. It wants to pull us into contention. It wants us to take hold of it. It it wants us to eat it, all right? But that bait 
draws us into this trap. And this term scandalon, we said last week, the second part of it, it's, it's the part of the trap that holds the bait. It's also the part of the trap that springs the trap. Okay, and, and we said last week that in the scripture, that term offense always carries the connotation of the offended person being trapped, being put in bondage, being imprisoned, being caught, unable to get away. That's what offense does. And yet, we live in a society that is currently actually celebrating their offense. And, and they're actually using it to, to try to express as, as a means of expressing a moral superiority. I'm offended by this, right? And you should be too if you're a good person, okay? Might be that that's an offensive thing. Might be that that's a bad thing. But of taking offense is not the way to solve that societal issue. It's just a way to allow worse societal issues into the society and end up with divisions, end up with party spirit. Do you recognize that list we just read? It's all around us. Okay, but let's not be those people. Okay, we don't have to. And it's a miserable way to live. Any of you who have spent any time giving place to offense, giving place to anger, bitterness, resentment in your life, it's an awful place to live. Jesus has something so much better, okay? But this is, this is what the Bible, the Bible uses this little term offense. Well, it has a big meaning for us and we need to recognize it. We need to be able to say no in the name of Jesus. I may have to deal with a problem. Well, Let's just, let's just, forgiveness is the solution. And before we even go back into the scriptures about forgiveness, we didn't get to this uh, last week exactly. And um, so I just want to give you this list. When I talk about forgiveness, this is what I'm talking about right here. Okay, this is the meaning. Because a lot of people have a total misunderstanding. I did for years of what forgiveness means. All right. So in the Bible, forgiveness means to release another person from debt or obligation. All right. I'm I just in, this is my life, okay? This is my heart. I am choosing in the Lord to forgive that person from any debt or obligation to me. I'm going to go forward from this point not thinking about them as owing me something. Usually we think they owe us something in the form of their life needs to be damaged because they hurt me, okay? We don't say that. We put on Christian smiles. But what's going on in our hearts is they owe me. They, they damaged me, and that's true, okay? But this is what we're doing in forgiving. Why would we do that? Because, and Jesus makes this really clear, because of what the Lord forgave us. We didn't deserve it. We still don't deserve it. We have, I think we're pretty clueless about the magnitude of the debt created by sin. Okay, I, I just, every once in a while we kind of get a spark of a revelation of it, but the work of Christ at that cross, and, and he, he has poured out his blood on that mercy seat. 
so that all of our sin could be forgiven, including our sin of unforgiveness, by the way, uh, could be forgiven. And we can't add anything to it. And and this is what, I mean, this is the parable that Jesus tells us. You know, you know the parable. He, he comes along and he says there was somebody who owed an unimaginable amount of money that they could never pay back. And they were so deceived that they went to the person they owed it to and said, oh, I'll start working this off. Well, it was to, you know, if you, if you look at the language, it was totally impossible. And the person who was owed forgave that debt. And that guy went out and started beating on a fellow servant because he owed him a little tiny bit of money, okay? And, and so the idea was the reason that we have to forgive is because of what was forgiven us. And we'll see some other things here in a little bit. But so I'm going to let, I'm going to, I am going to let go of what I'm forgiving. I'm going to trust God to work this in me because I'm not going to feel it right away. But I'm going to make a choice to do what he has said and to let this person go, and to let this offense go out of my life. Okay, so, so that means I'm going to, here's, here's, I think, some practical things. I'm going to stop allowing the memories of what happened. I'm not saying this is easy. I'm saying this is the path, okay? This could take a minute. This could take 20 years, all right? But this is our choice. I'm going to stop running the conversations through my head that I had with that person. I'm going to stop running the images through my mind. And I'm probably going to have to pray over this time and time. Probably have to get somebody else to pray over this with me. If it was, you know, we said last week there's a huge, vast, um, time, uh, not timeline. You know what I'm trying to say. There are some. Uh, offenses that are much bigger and much more devastating than others, okay? So there's a huge variety here. Of, of, but, the, but the path is, I'm going to make some choices about what I'm thinking about. I'm going to learn to say no in the name of Jesus. I'm going to take those types of thoughts captive. And what I do is I begin to pray for that person. That really defeats the devil's attempt to to pull us into offense when we start blessing that person, okay? We start praying for the best for that person, okay? And I know for some of you today, or maybe it's somebody out there, I just know in my heart somebody's hearing this, and it's just, you don't know what they did to me. It's unimaginable. I don't know what they did to you, but the Lord does. And I don't know what they did to you. You, you know, I think sometimes we get into this, I have a right to be offended, you also have a right to sin, but it will still kill you, okay? Again, and you know, this is a little cliche, but it's so true. Offense is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. It, it just is. And so we've got to make a decision. So I'm going to, in a practical sense, I'm going to stop running those actions, conversations, whatever it is through my mind. When that person comes to mind, I'm going to choose to pray over them. And no, at first, you're probably not going to feel it, but we walk by faith. We don't walk by our feelings. The grace of God will empower forgiveness in us. The grace of God, and, and it just takes time. This is where I think we get messed up on so many things. 
is that we forget that a choice of our will is stronger than our feelings. We are spirit, soul, and body. In our soul, we are mind, emotions, and will. And, and we tend to let our emotions be in charge. And instead, if we let our, the Holy Spirit be in charge in the first place, and we repent, which means change the way you think. I'm going to start thinking like God thinks. And, and so I'm going to do what he said. We make that choice of our will. Your emotions will follow. They will follow. And it may take some time, but they will follow. Okay. So we'll start to pray over them. We'll start to bless them. I am not going to enlarge the story, okay? Anybody else ever do that? As we're thinking through the conversations, we tend to just make it bigger. We tend to start putting pictures with it. This is the way we're designed. We, we start putting images with it. We create a movie in our heads about what happened. And, and we, we expand conversations to where well, if I were to say this to them, they would say this back. Well, you've never said that to them, and you really don't know what they're going to say back, and it really doesn't matter. But we'll just start to expand. We'll have, does anybody else do this? We'll have little arguments with people that are not there, okay? And do not know, and this is the thing. That trap of offense closes on the offended, not the offender. It's bait for the offended, not the offender, we're not, our unforgiveness is not changing their life one bit. It's not doing anything to them. It's poisoning us, okay? So we just got to make this choice. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to enlarge the story. I'm not going to seek allies, okay? I can tell all my friends so that they feel bad for me and, and start taking up my cause. And they get mad at that person too, Right? Why? Because they heard my side of the story. If they're smart, they will stop you and pray with you and say, listen, if you want to really talk about this, let's get them. All right. And let's have this discussion. But so I'm not going to seek a little army of allies. Okay. To take up my offense. I'm not going to keep playing the movie. Okay. I'm going to determine that that person and what they did or what they said or whatever it is, that's not my future. That's something that happened. It was a bad thing. And, but it's not my future. Jesus is my future. And what God has promised me, that's my future. Does this make sense to you? Does it? Two of you. Excellent. We are getting there. Okay. So, and I said this last week, and I'll, I'll say it both, both directions this week. A good gauge of where our hearts are in the process of forgiveness is, do I enjoy? Do I celebrate? Little party in my heart. I keep it off my face, but little party in my heart when I heard that something bad happened to that person who hurt me. Okay. I know none of you have done that, but I have. It's just a little party. It's just a quiet little party in the heart. Okay. That's an, uh, that's an indicator that I have not fully forgiven that person. I might've made the decision, but I haven't really forgiven it. Or the other side of it is I hear something good that's the worst, isn't it? You hear something really good happen to them after they did this to you, you know, and, and I can't celebrate their blessing. That means I'm still offended, okay? And it's better to just admit it. God already knows it. It's better to just admit it and say, Lord, I'm so sorry. That is not how I want to live. That is not where I want to be. Just help me and pray for them again. Bless them again celebrate. So, so it's just another kind of good way to know where our hearts really are. Because 
we're not always really good at discerning where our hearts really are. Um, we're pretty good at self-deception sometimes. Okay, So forgiving is not saying there was no damage done. It's not, it's not saying, because uh, this is where we start withholding forgiveness because it's like, well, what they did was wrong. Yeah, you're not saying it wasn't by forgiving them. You're not saying that at all. You're not saying that what they did was okay. You're not saying they should have the right to do it to you again. They're, you're not giving them permission to do this to you again. You're not even giving them permission. You're not, you're, you don't necessarily, you may never for very good reason, have a relationship with that person again in your life. But we can do that without the offense. We can make that decision cleanly. We can even want the best for them. But forgiveness is not saying, I trust you. Forgiveness, and we need to understand, I've gone through this with so many couples where somebody really hurt the other one. And they feel like, well, I apologize, this, sh- this should be over. And it's like, no, that was a big violation of trust. Trust is given as a response to faithfulness shown. Okay, And we want to err on the side of trust to a degree. We want to have an innocent heart in us. But at the same time, just you know, if somebody has really violated your life, you choosing to forgive does not mean oh, I'm just entering right back into everything with them and I totally trust them. And No, that has to be rebuilt and there's nothing wrong with that. As long as you can find a place of having a tender heart and allowing trust to be rebuilt if it's even appropriate. Okay, There are some situations you never should have trusted them the first time. Okay, And you learned that the hard way and now, okay, but I can do that without being hateful, without being angry, without being, we, we can't. We can do this with a clean heart. Okay, so it's not giving them permission to repeat the offense in your life or somebody else's. Okay, you're not obligated to continue a relationship with them. Here, here's one: it forgiveness does not preclude taking legal action where it is necessary or appropriate in a relationship. You can seek justice without seeking revenge, okay? That's important because if you're talking about somebody who is a child abuser or somebody who, uh, you know, violates somebody sexually or something like that, there may need to be legal action and you're not prevented. You can forgive that person, but still seek that action from a clean heart so that this doesn't happen to someone else, okay? I think that's a, that will take real intentionality to keep your heart clean with God, okay? But, but it's, it's definitely possible, and in many times it's appropriate because you're, trying to, you're coming from a heart of, I'm trying to protect others here. I'm not just trying to punish this other person. And that's where we see these people who, you know, somebody murdered their son, and they go in and they pray for the guy you know, on death row. I mean, they, you know, the legal action has taken place, but they truly, you see these mothers, mothers of all people, able to forgive, truly forgive that person, pray for them. And even in case, you know, we read about these cases, they led them to the Lord. You know, they, you know, it's awesome what God can do. And I think that's what I'm trying to get to in all of this. Don't limit what God can do. 
Don't limit it because of how we feel, you know. So again, we're not saying there was nothing. You know, a lot of times we forgive, but then there's a whole process of healing that has to happen. If you don't get the forgiveness piece, you'll have a really hard time ever receiving real healing from that situation. If you stay in unforgiveness in a situation, you know, and, and again, there's a lot of times there's a lot of healing needs to take place, emotional healing and things. It's sort of like, what is it like? If we, you know, I remember one story where a pastor that we know was, was praying for a guy came up and he had emphysema and, and he was praying for him and, and he praying for his healing. But, you know, when he was praying for him, laying hands on him, you know, the, the guy was still smoking a couple packs of cigarettes a day. And he said, I believe God will heal you, but you're, if you continue this, you're going to get sick again. You know, when, when I, on Easter Sunday, 2000, I got hit on my bicycle by a car, a left turner. Never trust a left turner when you are on any type of two wheels. Never. Okay. Anyway. I got hit by a left turner, broke some toes. And instead of giving those toes time to heal, I started doing some other activities because my bike was trashed. And uh, started doing some other activities where I kept breaking those toes over and over and over and over for, I don't know, a couple of weeks at least. I didn't know, yeah, I didn't know they were broken. They checked me out in the ER. They never checked my feet. I went flipping over the car and slammed that foot into the pavement and uh, broke these toes. I didn't know they were broken. I knew they hurt and were (laughs) big and swollen looking. But anyway, so I got out doing this other stuff and I kept breaking those toes over and over. Finally, the Holy Spirit, actually it was Karen, said, you've got to stop doing this, you know, stop. Let them heal. And so I did. But those couple toes on this foot, they They'll move back here, but they don't do this anymore. <laughs> and actually, Ingrid was working on my feet a while back, and she got to those, and it was like, those don't bend. <laughs> she said, they don't, do they? <laughs> but anyway, I kept making the problem. I kept going back and, and breaking them again and again and again. That's kind of like when we want to get healed, but we don't forgive. And we just keep that poison working in our system from unforgiveness, and, and we don't get anywhere, okay? So, wow, it's late. Did anyone else notice? Um, so when we, do, when we forgive, what we do is we release ourselves from the trap, okay? And we release the offender to the judgment and grace of God, okay? I believe God will reach out to people. I think our forgiveness really opens the door for this somehow, for God to reach out to that offender and change their life. That's what we want, right? We want everybody to end up with Jesus in heaven, okay? So when we forgive, we take ourselves out of the trap. That's what we do for us. But we also release that person to the Lord. It's not my deal. To to his perfect, clean judgment, not mine, and to his incredible grace, all right? What that person does with that grace, what that person does with it, it's none of my business. I'm out of it. I let them go, okay? That's forgiveness. That's what forgiveness is. All right, 
let's, let's just quickly look at these verses because I've got to get to the next set today and that's as far as we're going to go. But we looked at these last week and I just want to go down through them again because we didn't quite make it all the way through. Luke 17, 1 and 2. And I just have the Passion Translation up there for you this week. We kind of went back and forth through translations last week. But it says, One day Jesus taught his disciples betrayals or offenses, other translations say, are inevitable. In other words, we're all going to have the opportunity to be offended. But great devastation will come to the one guilty of betraying or offending others. So there are consequences for being the offender. All right. It would be better for him to have a heavy boulder tied around his neck and be hurled into the deepest sea than to face the punishment of betraying one of my dear ones. Okay, so we want to stay out of that end of things. That doesn't sound good. And uh, then we saw that it goes on, and in the Passion Translation, beginning in verse 3, it says, so be alert to your brother's condition. And in the New King James, it says, take heed to yourselves. And we saw that that word yourselves, it means it, it doesn't just mean take heed to yourself. Your per- don't, don't turn inward and only think about you. It means everybody involved in the situation. In other words, God has concern for the offender and the offended. Okay, He has concern for both. And it says, so be alert to your brother's condition. If you see him going the wrong direction, cry out and correct him. If there's true repentance on his part, forgive him. No matter how many times in one day your brother sins against you and says, I'm sorry, I'm changing Forgive me, you need to forgive him each and every time. So we saw from that that when we when offense when someone offends us, when offense is offered to us, our mind should not only think of myself. That's that's a that's one of the ways we get pulled into offense. Okay? We should also be realizing the person doing this needs the Lord or needs, you know, we need to be concerned for everybody. This is what Jesus is saying. We need to be concerned for everybody. We need to be thinking about the destruction that would come into their life too. We can only do that by the grace of God. That's not our natural. The flesh isn't going to do that for you, okay? It's got to be the Spirit working in us, but our first thought shouldn't be for ourselves alone, but recognizing, man, the devil wants to just, the devil wants to kill everybody that's involved in this situation, okay? We've seen this before in the New Testament. Grace always calls us to a higher level of living and empowers us to a higher level of living. So in the Old Testament, you saw love your neighbor and hate your enemies, right? Jesus said, love your enemies and bless those who despitefully use you. It's why? Because now on this side of the cross, there is a flow of divine favor and ability called grace that can enable us to live above the law's standard. All right? And this is one of them, to to forgive. All right, now I want you to notice that last verse five, the disciples, uh, upon hearing this, the apostles said to Jesus, Lord, you must increase our measure of faith. God, give us more faith. They understood what, they, what was, he was saying. So you've got to forgive people. And if it's 70 times 7 in a day, you need to forgive people. Okay? And, and their response was, increase our faith. That's because we can only live this way by the grace of God, by his empowering grace. Okay? We can't do it on our own. 
And Romans 5, 2, we access grace by faith. So we're going to need to learn to forgive by faith. That means I make a choice to believe that God can work forgiveness in me, and I am open to it. I am I'm giving myself to you, Lord, and I'm trusting in your ability, not my own, to forgive this situation, to get it out of my life, to keep me out of the trap. I'm trusting you. We forgive by faith. Okay, so it's a choice before there's any emotional support from it. Okay, does that make sense to us? Okay, I love that that was their response because that's my response when I see that. God, you've got to give me more faith to be able to do this. All right, so let's go to one more passage I think will be done for today. Matthew chapter 6 verses 14 and 15. I must have had five people last week come and ask me. This is always so good. So this wasn't how all of you said it. This is how I'm going to say it. That passage in Luke it said if they apologize right? If they repent, if they change Okay, we like to take that as sort of a, okay, Jesus said, if they change, I'm supposed to forgive them, right? Well, he did in Luke. That's what he said. I think that that was among brethren. That was among Christians. So I think there is inherently an expectation on the other end as the offender for us to repent and change and apologize. I think that expectation is there. But here's Matthew 6. 14, 15, same Jesus. This wasn't a different Jesus. This was the same Jesus. For if you forgive others their trespasses, their reckless and willful sins, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, nurturing your hurt and anger with the result that it interferes in your relationship with God, then your Father will not forgive your trespasses. Now, that passage, I'm glad that the Amplified clarifies that that if we don't forgive, that's nurturing our hurt and our anger, just what we just talked about, with the result that it interferes in your relationship with God. That's what happens when we nurture anger, when we nurture offense, when we play the movies, when we play the conversations. It messes. It doesn't, it doesn't make you not a child of God, but it, it hardens our heart, okay? Because the Holy Spirit's always saying, let's forgive. Remember how much he forgave you? Let's forgive. So we have to resist what the Holy Spirit is doing in order to stay in unforgiveness. And so it, it makes it harder whenever we're holding sin in our life. It hardens our heart and it makes it, we're still children of God. The blood of Jesus was still shed for us, but it makes it harder for us to receive that grace from the Lord, to hear what he's saying to us. We're, we're hard-hearted and it's hard to hear when you're hard-hearted. So, This scripture says our ability to receive God's forgiveness is directly tied to our willingness to forgive others. This comes out in the English like a work, you know. You better forgive or I'm not going to forgive you. Well, if we read the rest of the Bible, we find out that Jesus already poured out his blood on that mercy seat, that he has worked forgiveness for us. It is there for us to receive by faith. Okay, so it's... it's, Unforgiveness is a sin, but he's already covered that sin too. So what it's saying here is, you're not going to be able to receive forgiveness from God 
And we all need to continually receive forgiveness from God. It's there for us, but we need to receive it, keep our hearts clean. You're not going to be able to do that if you're holding unforgiveness, okay? It's, it's going to mess with that. So our ability to receive is tied to our willingness to forgive. Does that, does that make sense? Two of you, awesome. Okay, that's good enough, man. Uh, so also... When we choose to live in unforgiveness, we often carry a load of shame and condemnation because we're having such a hard time receiving God's forgiveness. We sort of develop a mentality that is is more open to offense. We'll see this in some other verses uh, later, but, but we tend to carry that. But what I want you to notice about those verses is there is no mention of an apology. There's no mention of repentance on the part of the offender in these verses, okay? So it's great when somebody does apologize. We're supposed to forgive them. But I call these loophole prayers where we say, you know, we start saying, well, they didn't apologize, so I don't have to forgive them, okay? You're still getting poisoned by the unforgiveness, all right? Um, they apologize, but I don't know if they were really sincere. Okay, that's my loop. I don't think, I'm not going to forgive them yet. Okay, all right. That, that's usually when we're asking that question. I'm not, I'm not talking to, you know, a number of you did ask me. It's a, it's a sincere and real question when you read those other verses. Well, that says when they repent, sometimes they don't repent. What do I do then? Okay, but we don't want to get into loophole prayers. Sometimes people ask this about tithing. You know, well, I don't see it in the New Testament. Well, I can, number one, I can show you several places in the New Testament. I can show you why it's a New Testament principle. But the question I like to ask is, so are you wanting to get that straightened out? Are you wanting that understanding so that you can give less or so you can give more? Okay. And it's the same thing with forgiveness. Are we asking that question looking for a loophole? I think when Peter said, okay, Jesus, I forgave this many times. How many times do I have to forgive? And Jesus comes back with an unattainable number, you know, in one day. I don't think anybody's ever offended me seven times 70 in one day. But, you know, anyway, I, you know, he comes back with this unattainable number, meaning you need to forgive and leave the other part I believe, as he's saying to me, okay? So we're not going to use an apology or if the apology is good enough, okay, as a loophole. We're not going to look for the minimum, okay? Uh, You know, what's the minimum I can do and still be okay with this? God has better than that for us. So we just want to embrace the idea that we are able to forgive, okay? So let me just give you a couple real quick things. We're done for today, but... If you're trying to forgive somebody, the first thing you've got to do is is acknowledge that you are offended, okay? I've had a number of people who just, no, I'm not offended. They're just dead wrong, you know? Well, okay, then you're dead right. But, uh, you know, you've got to acknowledge, I'm offended. This hurt. You know, I'm offended. I'm in a place I shouldn't be. And then you have to decide, to forgive by faith. You've got to decide, okay, Lord, I'm going to need your help 
to be able to do this. I want to do this fully. I really want to get my heart free from this. I want to be able to think of that person and bless them no matter what happened in my past. I want to see you as my future and not that thing clouding my whole future. Okay, so so I'm going to decide right there that, okay, Lord, I'm going to do this by faith. I've got to begin to get really intentional about meditating the word of God on God's love for me and his forgiveness of me and how much my sin cost him, you know, and how, and, and that kind of thing. So I really have a revelation of what I've been forgiven that will empower me to forgive others. And then I've got to start speaking blessing. I've got to start speaking blessing and I've got, and this sometimes one of the hardest things, I've got to cut off those conversations up here, but also out here. Again, not building allies, not building a little army, I've got to I've got to stop that, and I've got to ask His help to do it. But then, in Jesus' name, I take those thoughts captive and I cast them down. This is not mine. This this offense is no longer mine. In Jesus' name, and I bless that person. I I speak God's best over them. I pray labors across their path. I pray for the influence of the Holy Spirit to increase over their life, for them to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, for their whole life to be transformed. I pray protection around anybody else that's in their sphere of influence. I pray, Father God, that everything that, Lord, that there would be just this blanket of protection around those who would be drawn to that person or have to do with that person. But most of all, I pray for the transformation of that person's heart to come into new life and to be everything you created them to be like that. Okay. I've got to start saying that stuff out loud. All right. For my heart to be changed. Did you get anything out of this today? All right. Next week. Anyway, we're going to a a better, higher level. Okay. Same subject, higher level. Don't miss it. We're not doing the live stream next week. If you're not here, you're missing it. We're not putting it out on podcast. I'm lying. I'm lying. I'm lying. Let's stand up and <laughs> let's stand up and pray. That was a lie. We love you that are out there actually. We have people out there every week that can't be here. So, thank you, Lord. Father, forgive me for lying to the congregation. Thank you, Lord. Father, Lord, this is such oh, this is such an important subject for us. And my prayer is that out of all that, Lord, that you, Holy Spirit, would take from what was just spoken and from from your word and birth it in our hearts so that every one of us can be free from offense. Lord, no matter what has happened in the past, no matter how tragic and wrong and unjust it was, we choose to let it go and we ask for the grace of God to flow in us and work forgiveness deep within us that our hearts could truly be clean and innocent before you. And Lord, I I pray that you would give us the words of blessing to speak over those who have offended us, that you would empower us to forgive and to release every offense and to be impervious to those that will come in the future. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. I'd be up here for a bit to pray for you. And again, children's church meeting after church. If anybody, if the Lord is nagging you, I mean, I mean, moving you 
to be involved in children's church, just come, like Laura said, ask some questions, see what's going on there. Some great things coming up in the children's ministry. All right, let's say it on the count of three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world will be dismissed. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Amen. Go out there and be the church. Thank you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.